630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight, five minutes after seven. Just one game in the NHL. Penguins up 4-2 on the Senators early in the third. Oil Kings just getting underway in Calgary. Oil Kings doing great, 24-6-7 on the season. Calgary sitting at 16-11-5. World Junior today, Canada over Germany 4-1. United States beat the Czech Republic 4-3 in overtime. Leon Dreisaitl named to the Pacific Division All-Star team. Games in St. Louis, January 25th. Connor McDavid previously voted to the team as one of the fan captains. Lagesson and Yamamoto up from the farm. Both practice today. Yamamoto will play tomorrow. Maybe Yagason, uh, Lagason will play. We'll uh, have some uh, clips from Oilers practice in a couple of minutes. 780-496-0063. All right. I got Bacon Man to give his preferred times for games. Home games for the Eskimos. His number one, 2 p.m. Saturday afternoons. Totally agree. That's my favorite time. 2 p.m. Sunday Unlikely, especially in the fall. And CFL doesn't have a lot of regular season games on Sundays. Then he also has 11 a.m. Saturday and 11 a.m. Sunday. Again, will never happen. How many pro sports in Canada have games that start in the morning? None. Well, I guess that's just the CFL and the NHL. Well, I guess we could count all the other minor pro sports. None. Like, they're not going to have morning games. They just, Bacon Man, they just won't. You know they won't do that. Okay, Bacon Man, this is the last text of yours I'm going to read tonight, okay? Because this is not the topic we wanted to do. But I respect you. I might even love you a little bit. But I appreciate your passion. Though I just don't, I don't get you, Bacon Man. I don't, well, I get that you like bacon. Or maybe, you, maybe you're a superhero and you turn into bacon. That's your superpower. Or you shoot bacon out your fingertips. I don't know. He says, believe it or not, I'm a huge CFL fan. He says, number one, move the schedule a month in both directions towards towards spring. Well, that's one direction, not both directions. Okay, started earlier. Saturday or Sunday afternoon games make the game day an event. Have it an all-day experience. Uh, have the odd Friday night college game and make it seem super special. Not a ton of them. Zero Thursday games. More synergy with other summer events in the city i.e. park and rides from Taste of Edmonton, etc. In Alberta, our summers can go to waste in a second due to weather. With later in the day book games, you see more horrible weather late in the day. People know this, and it was proven this past season with horrible weather and lack of attendance. Book the games earlier. And he said, please read all of the text if you are responding. (sighs) All right, Bacon Man, again, you're ignoring the demands of television and the network that carries the league and spends a significant amount, gives the league a specific amount of money. Uh, have the odd Friday night college game. I'm not sure what you mean by that. A lot of the CIS games are on Friday or Saturday. I don't know if you mean like a double header with a CFL game. Anyway, I read your text. You've made your point. I think you've made a couple of good points. I think you've also made some extremely bad points. <laughs> to be honest with you. 
They, they're not going to have 11 a.m. games uh, local time in the CFL. They just they will they don't do that in the NFL. The games are never later than noon local time. So anyway, I appreciate that. I'm sure we'll have this debate again someday, Bacon Man. <laughs> ah, all right, that's Bacon Man. Well, good to have him on the last show of the year. He has been a frequent contributor over the years. 780-496-0063. That is the number to both call and text. This texter says, Holy, is Bacon Man ever needy? Reed, you must have children. You're a good host and patient. I do not have children. I have a dog. I work with Bob Stoffer. Got to be patient there. <laughs> Agreed. All right. So the Oilers, uh, like I said, they practiced Saturday, had their skills competition yesterday, practiced again today. By the way, they did have the three centers split up today. We'll see if it goes that way for the game tomorrow. I would think they would start that way. McDavid centered Neal and Cassian. Dreisaitl centered Nygaard and Yamamoto, so a little more quickness with Dreisaitl. Nugent Hopkins with Kara and Gagne. And uh, Haas was between Shane and Archibald. Chason and Patrick Russell appeared to be the extra forwards based on today. The D pairings were Clefbaum with Bear, Lagason with Larson, Nurse with Chris Russell, and then Caleb Jones with Matt Benning. Benning has not been activated off IR, so that alignment would make Jones the extra defenseman. Dave Tippett did not commit to Lagason being in the lineup, but the way they lined up today, it would appear that he would be. Koskinen was in the home net, the net that the Oilers defend in the first and third period. So it's usually an indication he's going to start the next game. Now, for the Oilers, it's been a miserable run. They are 4-10-1 in their last 15 games. They've been outscored 56-33 in that span, minus 23 goal differential over 15 games. Dreisaitl himself is minus 24 over that span. So... We talk a lot about defensive play, and it hasn't been good enough. The goaltending has had some off nights. Uh, so goal prevention has been an issue. They also haven't spent a lot of, a lot of time on the attack. And I was actually surprised to see the shot clock get to 29 against Calgary because I felt there was a lot of into the zone and out, a lot of passes that weren't connecting, not playing in a straight line enough on the forecheck, and when you're bringing the puck into the other team's end, and Dave Tippett commented, I asked him on Saturday about this, and he said, well, yes, we need more on the attack, but here's how he explained it. I would say we're not doing enough of it, and it's less about the drop pass we're doing. We're not getting enough attempts to do it. And that's, for me, it's defending well in our own zone, making good plays out of our own zone, making good plays in the neutral zone to get you to the offensive zone. Now, getting there, I think what... Part of the problem is we've got there and we haven't got there enough, so we think we've got to do something really special when we get there. And the really special turns into sometimes disasters. So the more times you can get there, the more times you can simplify it and get it to the net, the more gratified you are. If you're not there very often, you got to feel like you got to do something really special when you get there. And that's when you run into problems. I really liked how Tippett explained that. And here's how this is all working together. Hockey's a fluid game. It's not like football where you have an offense and a defense. Even like basketball where one team is obviously has their 24 seconds to attack and then the other team does it. 
So the Oilers are not doing a great job defending, and they're falling behind. So what is happening? When they do get the puck down to the other team's end, which they're not doing enough of, they're thinking, oh, my God, we better score now because we may not be down here for another couple minutes. So that's leading to riskier passes, lower percentage passes, instead of just focusing on let's get the puck in and let's go to work and let's forecheck because we're going to do this enough times that eventually it's going to pay off. So they're falling behind. They're not getting the puck enough out of their own end. And then that leads to that is compounded then by making poor decisions in the offensive zone. And then the puck comes back the other way. And I know I tweeted out Tippett's quote on the weekend and, and someone replied simply saying, well, the best defense is a good offense. If the Oilers could forecheck better, they'd be better defensively. But it's kind of like a never-ending cycle right now. They're not confident enough on offense because they're playing poorly on defense and they can't get the offense going because they're like it's just back and forth so anyway I thought that was a really good observation though by Tippett and I, I really felt that especially against Calgary hope passes cross ice passes you know trying to pick the puck trying to direct the puck through us through a seam instead of just getting it down low or taking a shot on net and Saturday's practice was one of the most thorough practices the Oilers have had in a while they did a lot of one-on-one drills, a puck carrier bringing the puck in against two defenders or against one defenseman and a back checker, two-on-two drills, so focusing on winning battles, keeping pucks alive, and then some three-on-two drills, but where the focus was get the puck on the net. Get it, you know, over the blue line, top of the circle, shoot it. Get it on the net, shoot for a rebound, get it down low, create some trouble instead of like, oh, my God, we better make a perfect play and a perfect setup because we may not have a chance to do this again. Brian has called in, 780-496-0063. Go ahead. Seasonal salutations to you, Reed. You too. Um, so, you know, I, I was going to actually talk uh, to you about the officiating in the, in the NHL because you and I have talked about this in the past. Yes. But, but you know, I'm it, just listening to you just now. I'd like to pose a question to you and just get your opinion. Sure. With, with the Oilers, we want to call it slump. Let's call it slump in the last 10 games or even the last 15 games. Um, do you feel that it's the Oilers um, getting worse or the other teams actually getting better throughout the course of the season? Okay, that's an excellent question. Okay, here's what I think, Brian. First of all, I, I actually do believe, and I, and I know... I know Oilers fans, like I always say, you're damaged and you're pessimistic and I can't blame you. I do think the Oilers are capable of playing better than they have recently. A lot better? Uh, probably not. But better? Yes. And I, and I do think... Here's what I think. I, I'm not saying necessarily the other teams have gotten better. But as you settle into the season, teams find their identity... You know, perennial contenders that maybe were a little looser in the first five or six weeks of the season start to tighten it up and get back to what they know is going to succeed in the playoffs. And I thought Rob made some excellent points after the last couple of Oilers games. And he said, okay, Brian, what, what has killed other teams? The Oilers' power play, right? So don't take a penalty. Like, don't put your stick in anybody's legs. Don't put a hand on McDavid. You know, don't don't do anything stupid. Be careful so you don't shoot the puck over the glass. Don't take a penalty. So if you only give the Oilers a couple of power play opportunities, 
you're probably taking a goal off the board against, right? So I think they, they've smartened up that way. And then I think we've fallen back into what hurt the team in the second half of last season, that it's, again, nobody is going to hurt you except for McDavid and Dreisaitl. So now teams are thinking, let's tie the 20 minutes that they're on the ice, check the heck out of these guys, see how far you can go, you know, with a little bit of obstruction before you're going to get called. And then because you're you're almost guaranteed to win the other 40 minutes. I, I think about the game against the Toronto Maple Leafs, Brian. I didn't think... You know, Matthews and Marner had uh, very good games. I thought Tavares played pretty well, but it was Kerfoot's line, and then McKayev and uh, the other guy, I can't remember his name, they won the game for Toronto. How many times have the Oilers, have you looked at the Oilers' depth players because of scoring and said they've won the Oilers a game? Like maybe a couple, like Granlin got a couple big goals, but now he's in the Myers. So when you talk about other teams getting better, that's how I would answer it. It's a change in mindset and its approach. It, it, it's knowing that, like, to beat the Oilers, it's not like, oh my God, we got to do a dozen things. It's like we got to do three things and we should win. That's how I would answer that. Okay. Now, um, the one thing that I'll I'll say in in response to to that is that I mean, to me, you're totally right with the Toronto game, but it also comes back to me looking at the St. Louis Blues last year. Uh-huh. This time last year, everybody was counting them out. They were done. They were, you know, they were a disaster. Yeah. And it was the final half of the season that the lunch pail, I'm going to call it the lunch pail crew, dug them out. Well, and Bennington. Like never underestimate the goalie. Oh, oh, oh de- definitely. Yeah. The, the goalie is a huge. It's is a huge factor. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you'll look at uh, you know when Smith made what fifty-one saves against Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, huge. Now, my, my and here's my argument. As the Lord knows, I've had this argument a few, uh, numerous times with numerous people, and that is that everybody seems to keep on. You know, uh, pointing the finger at the goaltending, 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 and and I'm not discounting that the goaltending itself could be better, but our defense is it, it, there. There are five players. I still contend there are five players in front of that goalie. And if you go back to, I'm going to say the last 15 games, you take a look at at I'm going to say minimum 50 percent of the goals. The shot should have never even gotten through or been taken. It's just been a mental lapse by someone, and you can't keep, you cannot constantly ask the goalie to be bailing you out a thousand percent of the time. No, you're right, and I, and I think, and that's why I believe that the Oilers can play better because I think there are mental mistakes that can be cleaned up, and they can, they can defend better. Because they have done it. I mean, they did do it for about 25 games. It's not like other years where we've been halfway through the season and it's like, oh, the Oilers have never played a good defensive game all year. I I will say this about the goaltending. I I would still give the goaltending overall a passing grade at the halfway point of the season. I've been much more critical of Smith and especially the games like the Minnesota game. Like, you can't let in six on 26, even if they're all grade-A chances. But I... 
I, I would agree with you. There have been missed back checks. There have been blown assignments. And now I think it's gotten into their heads. And now is that in that clip we played from Tippett, and I, I agree with Dave on that one, now it's affected how they're approaching the offense as well. And that's scary because now they're rattled in both ends of the rink. Well, the one, the one aspect about the offense is uh, I've noticed so many blind passes. Yes, that's a problem. Uh, you know, they're, they're, and, and the, the giveaways, I, I mean, I've been watching the, the giveaway count, and I, <laughs> I think the, the media is being kind to the Oilers. Because I think the giveaways are way higher than what they're saying. Like sort of the on the on the NHL stats, or just what we talk about? Uh, just just when you're watching the game in general. Okay. You know, when you're watching the game, I mean, they, you know, they they they'll, they'll pull up the stats and they'll say, you know, X amount of giveaways, X amount of takeaways, and you're kind of going, are we watching the same game? Because I mean, there's been at least X amount of giveaways. Yeah, well, that's if they're taking that off the NHL stat sheets, they have their own criteria for what they count. What I look for is. To me, if you get the puck to your own blue line but not across it, those are the ones that hurt you. And you're right. And, and they, they haven't been as good at that. I usually don't keep – actually, there have been some games I have kept the count, but I haven't lately. But that's – the Oilers were a bad team at that last year. They would get the puck to five feet from their blue line, and then they would miss the breakout pass, or they'd decide to go backwards with it, which sometimes frustrates the heck out of me. And, but that's when you really get in trouble because you have the puck and everybody's thinking, okay, let's go, and then it's turned over while the other team is still on side, and then you're, and then you're really in trouble. The, I, I mean, the giveaways and takeaways, I think you kind of got to count your own, Brian. And just as an aside, with the guys that do the stats, and I, I talk to these, I've talked to these guys up top, a giveaway is if I have a clear pass to you and I flub it and the other team gets it, that's a giveaway. A takeaway is if I have a pass to you and a defender makes a play like knocking the puck out of the air or, or makes an incredible steal, then they'll give him credit for a takeaway but not me for a giveaway. Though I understand what you're saying. It results you, in a chance for the opposition either way. That's just yeah, how keep the stat. To me, to me with, 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 with a blind pass, you know, if it goes to an offender, that, that to me it's a giveaway. It, it's not, you know, that's oh, not a takeaway. Well, and, and I still think, Brian, like I was saying after I put that tip of clip, it's also a problem in the offensive zone because they're getting over the blue line and they're thinking like, oh, man, we better, we better score a fancy goal to get some momentum back. And, they're, and, and with dry sudden like David, I think you have to live with it because they can pull off so much stuff. But there were some passes last game where I'm thinking, why is that player trying that pass? You know what I mean? Like... Thread it through three sets of feet and six sticks. Like, it's not going to happen. And unfortunately, one of the worst offenders, and I mean, the guy is a fantastic player. He's a superstar in the league. But Dreisaitl is definitely one of the worst offenders. Sure he is, because he's trying to push, and, and he's frustrated. And... I know people criticize Leon, me included sometimes, because he does get frustrated. But like Tippett said today, he's not trying to get minuses. He's he's trying to correct it. And I don't know if he's totally learned how he has to correct it yet, if you know what I'm saying. Like, there's a simplification. When they're in the crap like this, I think they have to simplify their attack. 
put it down low, put it to the net. And let's face it, Brian, if Leon Dreisaitl crosses the blue line and doesn't have a high percentage pass, if he shoots it into the corner, Connor is probably going to get there first. So you still have the puck. Well, absolutely. But the thing is, you know, to me, you have a shot at the net. You take the shot at the net. Well, I, I, I agree, and, and I think Leon has the best shot on the team, so it's never a bad call for him. Brian, it's always fun chatting with you. i got a break, buddy. Happy you have a happy new year, a happy new decade to you, and all the best. Okay. We'll talk to you in the new year. All right, that's Brian, 780-496-0063. we got to take a break for the 7.30 news and weather. The only NHL game tonight has uh, six and a half minutes left in the first period. It is the Penguins up 5-2 on the Senators. This is Greg Ellingson of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30 Shed. Yeah, we should get to meet Scott Milanovic. Going to be a uh, little welcome to Edmonton for him coming up in January. New coach of the Edmonton Eskimos. NHL tonight. There's only one game, folks. And it is the Penguins leading the Senators 5-2 with three minutes left in the third period. In the Western Hockey League, Oil Kings in Calgary, 8:51 left in the first period. It's a 1-1 tie. Oil Kings having an excellent season. 780-496-0063 to call or text. The Fizzler. Always enjoy hearing from the Fizzler. We were doing a few sports jokes earlier in the show, Kellen. We had to have some mm-hmm. good contributions. The Fizzler says, what do the Edmonton Oilers and Bonnie Tyler have in common? Every now and then they fall apart. Now that is full marks to the Fizzler. He works in sports and he works in pop culture. Fizzler, I salute you. For those about to rock, we salute you, Fizzler. <laughs> you a Bonnie Tyler fan? or? <laughs> well, that's a good song. Well, that was uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart? Yeah. What was the slow one from uh, Top Gun? Take My Breath Away? Yes. Who did that one? That wasn't Bonnie Tyler. Uh, that wasn't Bonnie Tyler. No, that was I think else. that was Berlin. I'm not sure. Oh, yes. I think you're right. Yeah. There's a new Top Gun movie coming out. Yeah, I saw the trailer for it. See the new Star Wars yet? Yes, I saw it bef- so before did I. the last show. I, I quite liked it. Yes, me too. Uh, I, I, I get it. It's, it has its problems. There are some things you just got to say, okay, we're going with it. Mm-hmm. But it was in the spirit of the Star Wars series, which oh, I thought J.J. Abrams yeah. captured well in The Force Awakens and uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Look, plot points, There, like I said, there are some things you just got to go with. If you're not a science fiction mm-hmm. or Star Wars person, you, you may this maybe isn't a good one to jump in on. Um, but there's some good act, And you know what? The casting for this for these movies, like Daisy Ridley is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam Driver is is great. John Boyega. Uh, what's his name? Oscar Isaac mm-hmm. is, is an exceptional actor. They cast these movies very well. So despite some of the, you know, the 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 writing is was it is what it is. They you, you write a Star Wars movie a certain way. The dialogue isn't always gonna, uh, you know. I I really liked this last trilogy. But they this, but they give you you know the 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 acting was really good and Daisy Ridley especially as Ray makes you care about that character and I, I she's just compelling and she does a good job with that character oh, yeah. and her story in this one is is very good she mm-hmm. does she does a really good job all right. 
Kyler Yamamoto likely to play on a line with Leon Dreisaitl. Here's Leon. I think a player like that, you just don't, as a young guy, a young offensive guy or, or a guy that we want to, um, you know, obviously we want him to, to defend and be a complete player, but you want him to go out and, and, and make plays and, and, and uh, you know, just play his game, not, not change just because he thinks he has less time than in the AHL or, or whatever it might be. So you just, you know, just tell him play your game, play, like make the play you see and, and you know, you'll learn from it. If, if it's not there, you'll you'll see, you know, it's it's not there. So um, we all had to learn. I had to learn that at one point. So um, he's a smart kid, though, and, um, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll figure it out. So Nygaard, Dreisaitl, and Yamamoto was the line at practice today. This portion of the show presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Yamamoto, of course, he's played in the NHL before and hoping to make it count. Uh, just more comfortable. Um, you know, I've been here before, so um, it's nothing new. And, um, you know, I think just being more comfortable is... Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be huge um, this time, and um, you're know, just trying to go out there and um, you know, work hard. Head coach Dave Tippett on Yamamoto coming up. He earned the right to be up here because of what he did down there. You know, and uh, if uh, the last game is any, I think he's played 23 minutes. He had a goal, an assist, he drew through pen, three penalties. I mean, he's he's been a good player down there for him. So we're looking for... Uh, a little more tenacity, some people that can make some plays up here, so he's the guy that fit the bill. We want him to be a solid player. Come up here and, and play to his strengths. You know, his strengths are tenacity, getting around the puck. He's not a big guy, but he plays hard, and he's got skill to make plays. That's we're missing some plays getting made, so that's what we'll give him an opportunity to do. All right, well, I, I, again, I, I don't want to sit here and think, well, Yamamoto gives him a second line, but Hopefully he can play with some quickness. I know he's a very small player, and I know that scares a lot of you, but he has figured it out at, at every level he's played in. Um, you know, if he can play with some intelligence and, and check and finish a little bit, will be a good addition. And we're not throwing an 18- or 19-year-old into the lineup. He is 21, and William Laguson on defense is 23 and has yet to play a game in the NHL. This, and we hope this continues for the Oilers, this is more the normal progression of a player, especially someone who's drafted mid-round like Laguson. You maybe go back to the NCAA or back to Sweden like he did. You, you, you keep playing. You play in the minors. And then when you're needed as a depth defenseman, which is how Laguson will be used, you get called up after you've played in the AHL for a couple of seasons. A lot of good uh, young Ds. Uh, so it's been a great competition down there and uh, and a great great environment to be in. And uh, try to get better every day. And uh, uh, when uh, yeah, when Bears and Jones and those guys get called up, I'm happy for them. And uh, you just get motivated and see that uh, the opportunity is there. Uh, I'm gonna play play really hard and uh, and really focus on my uh, defensive part of the game. Good positioning, good uh, stick, and. Uh, uh, don't play too, play too complicated and just do my job and uh, do it uh, 100%. All right, so you could have uh, Laguson tomorrow, Larson, Oscar Clefbaum. The uh, Edmonton Oilers, not defense, they're sweet fence getting ready to face the New York Rangers. 5 o'clock face-off show, game at 7 here on 6.30 Chet. Just that clip again from Leon Dreisaitl today. You know, obviously I know I've been, you know, pretty <laughs> lately, so, but um, sorry about my word words there, but... Um, you know, it happens, you know, those stretches, they, they happen. Um, you know, 
maybe it's it's a little too long for for myself but uh, you know tomorrow's a new day and um, you know us as a line we're going to go out work hard try our best and um, you know try and be a, a a good line all right so you know as kelly rudy said leon's not not running from it. He says, you know, Kelly said you don't want a player constantly coming out and criticizing himself. You want him to work on getting confident and playing better. But Dave Tippett says Leon knows what he's going through. He's very aware of where he's at. And we've had some good conversations over the last couple of days. He's had a couple of real good days of practice here, understanding where his game's at, where he can make improvements, and uh, what's expected in the future. So he's very aware of where his game's at and where it needs to be. And I feel like expect him to play well tomorrow. And Tippett also had this to say about Drysdale going through this rough patch. He's a player that uh, all players go through adversity. This is some adversity that I think will do him very well in his, as he moves on. Like he's, he's the epitome of what we just talked about. Like He's trying to win. We're down 4-2. He's going to do whatever he can to help us win. And he thinks by scoring that helps us win. And Sometimes you can't blame them for thinking that way because we're down, right? That's just the way it is. But as we've got chasing more and more, his game is, it's the imbalance has come there from giving away too much. And he's, uh, he's ended up chasing it more than the team's chasing it. So there's some of them, we, I mean, we go through every, every scenario, every goal, and he's, he's gobbled some minuses that are, He's nowhere, should be nowhere close to, but he's on the ice because he's on the ice a lot. And there's some that, there's places that he can clean up. So those are things we've talked about the last few days. And like I say, I fully expect him. He's, he's well aware of where his game's at, where we are as a team. I expect him to start turning the other way and go upward starting tomorrow. All right, so that is Dave Tippett on Leon Dreisaitl, who today named the Pacific Division All-Star Team, joining teammate Connor McDavid, who'd already been voted in as the captain. Jack Michaels when we get back. The Penguins have beaten the Senators 5-2. The Oil Kings are in a 1-1 tie with the Hitmen after the first period. Tomorrow we have the Oilers and the Rangers. Jack Michaels will bring you the play-by-play. Jack, how are you doing? Great. I hope you had a great holiday and Happy New Year. And we got a lot to talk about. One more game before New Year's. And it sure looks like a pivotal one when you look at the standings right now. Well, it, the standings are very congested. As the season goes on, they, they stretch out, and some teams pull away, and some teams get left behind. And the Oilers want, don't want to be the team left behind. I mean, they, they've fallen out of a playoff spot, but it's still very close, still half a season to go. But they can't – I mean, here's the, my obvious statement of the night. They can't have another 15-game segment like they just had, or it's going to be over by the end of February. Well, unfortunately, the math probably works out that way. I mean, the one thing that's kept them in it is that no one's really run away and hit in the Pacific Division. It's not an overwhelming division, uh, partly because, you know, San Jose has kind of cratered a little bit, and obviously that necessitated a coaching change. And for whatever reason, Vegas hasn't really put it together. Uh, I keep waiting for Vegas to go on a significant run and maybe put the division away because I believe that – the Golden Knights, at least in theory, have the best team on paper, but I also thought they'd represent the Western Conference last year once again in the finals, and they couldn't get out of the first round despite building a 3-1 lead against San Jose. So it's a bizarre year in the division. Uh, I think I think there's some excellent, you know, Rick Tockett is, they, they've, there's some good teams, but I just think they're teams that are good and that's it. Uh, they're not overwhelming. 
And right now, that gives Edmonton the opportunity, along with its 5-0 and start. That's why you start 5-0, because you can play under 500 for two and a half months and still stick around in the race. And that's exactly what happened to Edmonton. But this last home game, I look at it as extremely pivotal because this road trip is not going to be easy. Uh, you've got Toronto and Montreal that are starting to play better. Boston has been good all year long. Buffalo won't be easy. In fact, the Sabres have already beaten the Oilers once. And then you've got a rematch with the Flames, who just pancaked Edmonton 5-1. to one. So this is a real pivotal game against a New York club that's awfully talented, Reed. I don't think they're going to get to the postseason this year, even though they were my dark horse. They were my sleeper, and I picked them to get there. I don't think they're going to quite get there. But if they can figure out their goaltending situation, they've got a lot of young talent. I think they're going to trade some pieces. By and large, they're a dangerous team. That's the point here. And so if Edmonton doesn't bring a much, much better game than the one they played two days after Christmas against Calgary, they're going to be looking at a similar result. Yeah, and a lot of talk for the Oilers about the the play in their own end. And and, uh, Dave Tippett gave a really good clip on Saturday as well about how because they're behind and because they're having trouble in their own end they're they're pressing on offense and making silly plays on offense and then that leads to disasters it all works together and i think a lot of it stems from jack and we try not to use cliches but i think this one in true is, is hockey you got to get that first goal and the oilers aren't getting it often enough and not only are they not getting the first one a lot of times they're not getting the second one either and you're down two nothing and and then it's desperation time and as Tippett said today then it's hard to focus on defense uh when you know you need to score to at least three to try to get a, get a win. So, I mean, I think the confidence is is rattled a little bit. The lack of depth up front is is showing a little more than it was at other points in the season. But somehow, if the Oilers can get a better start, get a lead, I think that takes the piano off the back a little bit for the rest of the night. Well, especially on home ice. I mean, the Oilers also started five and zero at home. They started five and zero for the season. They also started five and zero at home. It was their best start in thirty years on home ice, or or one of their best. I can't remember what exactly the stat was, but it was one of the best of all time. And you've got a situation where now all of a sudden, as you point out, you know you're not only getting down one nothing. You you've been getting down two nothing, five of the last six at home. I think six of the last nine. And that's a big reason why the, the home record has fallen off significantly. And that's another reason why I point to uh, tomorrow night's game as, as vital for Edmonton is because they're heading out on the road. They've been a good road team. And if they can build a little confidence with a home victory over a club that's, you know, on the edge of playoff contention. I mean, the Rangers are a good team. Uh, the Oilers have beaten them three times in a row. But, again, I, I feel like New York's got a lot of talent. If you can beat a good team – and reestablish some confidence on home ice and then go out on the road where they've been, you know, I know you're putting together a best-of-the-decade show. I'll, I'll tell you what, Reed. I don't know what the exact win-loss numbers are, but I feel that year-to-year Edmonton has been a better club for whatever reason on home ice or on, on the road than they have on home ice. And so I'm not necessarily worried about the road trip in terms of how Edmonton's going to play. I, I think the Oilers have played better on the road and, and I know I just mentioned how tough the opposition is going to be, but I, I think in my experience with this club that Edmonton has, has ro- risen uh, a notch or two uh, away from home. They've just got to figure out a way to get it done at Rogers Place because come March, 
in that final playoff push, they've got a lot of home games, and there's going to be an opportunity to really make hay down the stretch. Uh, but you've got to figure it out on home ice, and, and the start is <laughs> the start is a start, Reed, as as one would like to say. And I think it all starts in net. Uh, Miko Koskinen. In order for your team to go on a run, your goaltender's got to go on a run. I'm not going to put it all on Koskinen because, quite frankly, offensively the club hasn't been as good in recent weeks. But when you need a win, you look to your goaltender first and foremost. And Koskinen needs to be better than Lundqvist tomorrow night. Jack Michaels, play-by-play voice for your Edmonton Oilers, joining us on 6.30 chat. Oilers and Rangers tomorrow, 5 o'clock face-off show game at 7. Um, Kyler Yamamoto. He's going to play tomorrow. William Lagason on defense will see. That's what we got from Dave Tippett. Looks like Yamamoto will be on a line with uh, with Leon Draisaitl. Look, I, I, I've I've always thought there's a lot of potential for Yamamoto. He's he's always been able to figure it out at whatever level he's been at, despite his his size. He's a very small player, so I'm glad he's up. I I think he can inject some speed and some creativity into the lineup. But it's also that fine line for me, Jack. I, I don't expect one young man up from the minors um, to all of a sudden overhaul the, the depth scoring on the team. But I am interested to see what he's going to bring and specifically what he can bring with, with Dreisaitl and if it'll give them a little more leeway to have the three centers all on different lines. Well, I know that's where Dave eventually wants to get to, Dave Tippett. He wants to have... It, you know, he wants to have that three-man firepower down the middle. He believes that come April and May, that will be a huge boon uh, to the Oilers' chances in playing. The problem is you've got to find a way to get there first. And the Oilers, you know, as we've talked about, are right now on the bubble. They've got to figure out a way to get into the postseason, and then you deploy your depth down the middle, and all of a sudden you've got a real opportunity to go on a consistent run. I think with Kyler Yamamoto, I had a chance to talk to him this morning, and what I've noticed in terms of what where he needs to get to is some of the little work uh, in the corners. He, he had talked about, once again, resuming work with his power skating coach in the offseason and getting better in the smaller areas. not nece- He's never going to be a breakaway guy. I don't think he has the breakaway speed of a Nygaard or a McDavid. But there's a difference between being blindingly fast and quick coming out of the corners. And he feels a lot more comfortable on his edges. He's put in the work, and he feels like he's a little bit more elusive in tight areas. And so when you're a small player and it's possible for you to necessarily get boxed out of the game, Reed, that's where you've got to be quick and elusive in those corners. Find little seams, find those areas just outside the blue paint to funnel home rebounds, and and basically be a guy like Mitch Marner. I don't think Mitch Marner has breakaway speed, but he is awfully elusive in traffic. And that's where I think Kyler Yamamoto has a chance for the biggest jump up in terms of what, what what's most improved for Yamamoto, I'm going to be looking at the work he does in the corners and coming out of, you know, high traffic areas because, you know what, he can you can use your size to your advantage in those areas, Reed. You can kind of get lost behind your linemen, so to speak, you know, to use a football term, and you can find those crevices. 
and that's where Kyler Yamamoto needs to be. He needs to be in position to be in position, and in order to get into that position, that's where the quickness comes in. So I'm real eager to see what he can do because I think he's got a certain nose for the net. He's not afraid to go into those areas. He is not what I would call a perimeter to player. So if he can get a little quicker coming out of those corners and in those high-traffic areas, I think he's going to be that much more effective. And that, more than anything, is a, is a guy that can maybe pump home some of those dry, subtle rebounds and give that line a lift offensively. Well, Jack, I'm glad you threw in a football term because you knew I was going to get a comment, didn't you? On a certain NFL well, team. It almost had to happen. And, Reed, you know me. I am not a guy who's instantly a fire the coach guy. I, I'm just, I have never been that fan. I think that's, you know, similar to blaming the refs. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the call of the truly desperate when you instantly look at firing the coach or blaming the officials for your own team's futility. But I got to tell you, as a Cleveland Browns fan who watched. You know, every second I could, and obviously with a hockey schedule, that that can be, you know, a little more challenging than than I'd certainly like in a perfect world. I cannot remember a more undisciplined, unprepared, disorganized professional sports team in my, you know, 35-some-odd years as a fan. I, I really can't. I mean, they were a mess. It needed to happen. Of course, there's going to be, you know, players echoing those sentiments, and there already are, but I'm told in the area that a lot of players had written this guy off three or four weeks ago and figured him out. And I'll go back to something we all talk about, uh, you know, with Rob Brown on our pre- and post-game show and, and of course, overtime open line is players know. And that means a lot of different things. But one of the things it means is players know when their coach is not a head coach. And I got to tell you, uh, I could not wait for the season to be over and for his tenure to be over. I'm usually not a one-and-done guy, but let's hope the Browns put it together, Reed. Otherwise, you and I, uh, we did not have the football season I think either of us were expecting. No, that's that's true. That's true. Though at least I'll, I'll see at least one Seahawks playoff game. We'll see, though. <laughs> Yeah, you you at least you know experienced winning a playoff game. See, I have not experienced winning a playoff game since I was in my teens, Reed. And as someone who's similar to me in age, you more than anything should know how long it's been because your teens are even further removed than mine. And I'm talking about from a lifestyle standpoint, Reed. One of the things I want to see in 2020 is a younger, more dynamic, more effusive more ebullient, a more effervescent Reed Wilkins. And I will not be satisfied until that comes to fruition. <laughs> I'll work on it, Jack. I'll see you at the rink tomorrow. See you, pal. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.